This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Wounded Warrior Project, honoring and empowering post-9-11 veterans. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Senator Tom Tillis joins the Post to discuss the long-term health effects of exposure to toxic combat conditions and what lawmakers like him are doing to help America's veterans. Let's listen. Hi, everybody. I'm David Ignatius, a columnist for The Washington Post. I'm pleased to welcome you to a special conversation today about veterans' issues, especially focusing on health care. We have, uh, to begin our discussion, Senator Tom Tillis, a Republican from North Carolina, a member of the Veterans Affairs Committee in the Senate, who has worked hard across the aisle to focus on key health care issues affecting veterans, especially the issue of burn pits, something that may not be familiar to all of our viewers, but I hope by the end of our program, it will be. So, Senator Tillis, welcome to our discussion. It's great to have you with us. Maybe you could begin by just explaining what these burn pits were in Iraq and Afghanistan, what was put in them, and what are the health dangers? Well, first, David, I, I want to thank the Washington Post for helping us increase awareness on what we're talking about. We, we, I want to talk, and I hope that we get in the discussion about some of the past exposures, like the uh, toxic exposures down at Camp Lejeune, something I started working on back when I was in the State House as Speaker. But when I got up here and I saw the, uh, the data is very compelling that we had a number of operators in the Middle East who, after uh, they moved into an area as they're securing the area. The, uh, the standard operating procedure was to burn computers, disk drives, equipment uh, before they left to make sure it wasn't salvageable. And now we know that those uh, various materials have toxic substances that we think are related to diseases that men and women uh, in Afghanistan and throughout the Middle East could have been exposed to. I wrote an op-ed with Senator Klobuchar basically saying that this could be this generation's Agent Orange. We need to get ahead of it. We need to accelerate care options for people currently actively serving and, and those who are in veteran status. We want to get ahead of this. We don't want to have the years-long struggle to make the presumptions right so that they can get the health care they deserve. Senator, we'll talk in a minute about how we might get ahead of the problem, as you suggest. But first, give us a sense of, of the scope of this problem. How many uh, American uh, servicemen and women and contractors might have been exposed to what was in these burn pits, the, the toxic uh, fumes and, and consequences? We're really trying to get to the bottom of that because uh, I should have said uh, early on that we think about burn pits, but there are also other potential toxic exposures that uh, could have just been where you were based. So not necessarily related to a specific operation. One of the things that I've suggested, I chair the personnel subcommittee on Senate Armed Services. I would like to make sure that the health record reflects the movement of a man or woman in uniform throughout the life of their active service, uh, whether it was a burn pit incident, whether or not they were somewhere where dangerous materials were being uh, transferred that they were in close proximity to. We need to capture that information now, even before they could exhibit any sort of healthcare consequences and maybe even get to a point to where we can predict that they need care even before the man, and woman, man or woman in uniform even understands or has any symptoms. That's the level of 
of granularity that we need to get to. That's going to require us to go back and look at everybody, where they moved, our knowledge of where toxic substances could have potentially been, be, and make sure that that's all incorporated into their health chart going forward. So just to give our viewers some sense of the uh, magnitude of this, some journalistic estimates have put the number of people who may have been exposed to toxic fumes or substances at these burn pits as high as 175,000. Don't know whether that figure is going to bear out, but it, it suggests that this is a, a significant problem. Senator, you said that you want to get ahead of this. Uh, unlike uh, other issues in the past, like Agent Orange, where we spent years, really decades, struggling to figure out compensation and liability issues. You want to do something right away about the health of these veterans. Maybe you could talk about your approach to dealing with, with the burn pit health care problems. I should also say it's very personal to me. My wife's uncle uh, died from Agent Orange exposure. He was in combat in Vietnam. Um, it took decades to get to the point to where we were providing proper care and support for veterans of the Vietnam War. We cannot afford to take decades. The technology, the science, the information we have access to is something that we should be able to get done very quickly. We only got a lot of the presumptive illnesses for toxic substances at Camp Lejeune ultimately approved back in 2017. That's when, after I'd spent about three years my uh, here in my tenure in the U.S. Senate, trying to get done what Senator Burr and everyone else have been doing for years. We've just got to get ahead of it. That's why we need an independent agency to really understand the, uh, the nature of the exposures, and then they can give us guidance on the population that was actually affected. But this is something that we should be talking about getting done in this Congress or the next Congress with the right information and getting ahead of this, because I actually believe if we do, we may be at a point to where the more acute conditions can be avoided by giving the presumption of care sooner. And we also have to work with the, the VA and the DOD to understand, look, if, if we identify an exposure, we're not gonna give you an unfunded mandate that you have to work within your current budget. That's a part of the tug and pull that I've observed up here. Assume that with independent advice, we identify where we're responsible for the health and safety of service members and veterans, and then we, it's on us, Congress, to make sure you have the resources to provide the care. This should never be about money. This should be about providing care to service members and veterans. So, Senator, one of the interesting, uh, unusual things in uh, Washington that sometimes uh, seems kind of paralyzed uh, by division is the broad coalition that, that you've got working to advance uh, this idea of, of taking better care of, of veterans' health. Uh, the, the coalition, as I understand it, is known as the Team Coalition. Tell us a little bit about the groups you brought together here. Well, I think this is remarkable. And they put down, uh, they've laid down a bill that we think is a great baseline for getting bipartisan support. The, the veteran service organizations work together a lot of times, but frequently they have things that are at odds with one another. To have 30 veterans or service organizations come together with the Team Coalition, is extraordinary. It's why I'm very, very optimistic that with that coalition, we can get the support we need in the Senate. And I'll defer to my House colleagues uh, in the uh, interview a little bit later, but I think we'll have strong support for it. Again, it's going to be science-based. It's, it's going to be based on scientifically driven recommendations for presumptions of illnesses that could have been caused by these, uh, by these exposures, burn pits or other toxic exposures. And then we just fast-track the uh, provision of care. 
Senator, I think it would interest our viewers if you just tell the backstory of your interest in this um, through Camp Lejeune uh, in, in your state and your concern about about tainted water there that was causing s serious health problems and trying to get to the bottom of that. Walk us through that. Well, we got in. Uh, we got into the middle of uh, some of the internal experts at VA were taking a more conservative view about the presumptions. The, the presumptions basically are the trigger that provides care to those who were uh, potentially exposed. And we just decided that we wanted to flip the presumption. And one of the ways that we did that is we went to the CD CDC and other expert advisors who said there's a scientific basis for assuming that they were in Lejeune for a period of time. They were likely exposed. And for that reason, we should just assume that they, they should be provided care. Same sort of construct needs to work here with burn tip pits or any toxic exposures. And it's also important that, to mention, particularly domestically or in foreign bases, that we have to include family members. So, you know, a part of what we focused on at Camp Lejeune is the exposure of family members and giving them the health care that they deserve. So when we cast that net and we try to find every incident that could have been a toxic exposure, it's not just burn pits in the Middle East or people who were uh, forward deployed in, in combat situations. It's also chemical exposures here at home, like Camp Lejeune. That way we're gonna, we're gonna cast a wider net and we're probably gonna save a lot of lives in the process. So one, one takeaway for me, Senator, is your, your phrase, the presumption uh, of care. Let me just ask, uh, the, the burn pit, the toxic, toxic exposure problem, uh, obviously affects the lungs in many cases. And we have now a pandemic that has terrible consequences for, for lung compromised people. Do our veterans have, have special uh, vulnerabilities to COVID-19 because of some of these exposures you're trying to track down? Well, they could very well. Uh, uh, some of the um, uh, some of the reports that we've gotten uh, have it manifest itself in terms of respiratory distress. That's clearly an at-risk indicator for COVID-19. Um, there's a number of other things that uh, that just basically affect your immune response. There's a number of things that we need to get down to, but there's no question in my mind that at least with some of the reports we've gotten out of burn pits, we've we've had a number of people report. Uh, before oversight committees that uh, their husband or wife came back with respiratory problems. That's a key risk factor in COVID-19. Um, that's why we have to accelerate it. You know, the, the, I have to, I hate to, to get down the weeds, but I think it's so important. Whether it's the exposure to toxic substances, whether it's the, the, uh, the uh, repeated exposure to low level concussive events that have been linked to traumatic brain injury and uh, PTS, these are the sorts of things that we need to get down, get down right in the soldier's health record. I really want to get to a point to where we have the data to predict a risk before the, the soldier, the serviceman, or the veteran ever we would even expect that they're at risk. So it's not only making sure when you come to a VA facility or a DOD hospital that we have the presumption to provide you with care, I want to move it further up into the life cycle and try to find accelerated ways to identify and intervene long before these complications ultimately affect a service member. So, Senator, in the few minutes that we, we have left uh, in our conversation, I want to ask you about a couple of things that are in the news where I'm sure people would like to know your, your views. Uh, after the incident in uh, Lafayette Park and the 
clearing of streets by law enforcement personnel. You said you thought it was a time for cooling temperatures. Since then, we've had a lot of uh, senior uh, members of the military establishment, including the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, speak out uh, pretty forthrightly about a feeling that it was not appropriate for the military to have been involved in that, that it wasn't appropriate for General Milley to have been there in uniform. Just curious what your own thoughts are as somebody who cares, cares deeply about the, about the military and whether you'd share General Milley's concern. Well, I have a lot of respect for General Milley. The first time I met him was probably almost six years ago when he was head of force comm down at, uh, at Fort Bragg. I, uh, I think that he took an appropriate position when he went out there and said it was appropriate for him to be there. Look, the men and women sign up uh, to serve the United States uh, to defend against foreign enemies. And I think that we found ourselves in a situation where we came close to where it would, uh, it would be an inappropriate use of the military. I mean, the, the, uh, the Insurrection Act is there for a reason. If you look at the history, it was, uh, it was appropriately used even against governor's objections, dating all the way back to Ulysses S. Grant. But we have to use that judiciously because it could make future people who would like to serve in the military wonder whether or not they want to if they thought that the likelihood was high that they may actually be in a position um, uh, in, in a Washington, D.C. or a Los Angeles or a Seattle. So I think that we always have to be judicious with that. We have a National Guard. They do a great job. Uh, the governors can call them up. The president can work with these governors. I think that's the most appropriate course because I did not want to see the situation escalate. I wanted to see I didn't want the yelling to drown out the legitimate grievances of those uh, who want to come together and figure out a better way uh, for law enforcement to, to uh, act responsibly. And I think you do that through dialogue. And it's not talk, you know, talk about it now and then forget about it. I seriously want a dialogue, and I'm looking forward to Tim Scott's bill that's going to be put out tomorrow. If you think about South Carolina and Tim Scott, couldn't be a better person leading the charge. They did something very differently when there was a mass shooting at a church and there was an officer involved shooting, the governor and state leaders got together, they had dialogue, they had reconciliation, and they produced an extraordinary response. So I can't think of anyone else to put forth a proposal that I, I fully support. I'm an original co-sponsor, and I hope that we really do take these very, very difficult times and have something good come out of them. Senator, we have just a minute left, but I, I really, want to ask you, you mentioned Fort Bragg in, in your home state, um, and Fort Bragg is, is one of the U.S. military installations where there's been a call uh, by, by many people uh, for renaming uh, to take away the names of, of people who serve the Confederacy. You said that you're not uh, supporting that, that, that change. Uh, I just want to ask you to explain where you are now on that question and, and if you think it shouldn't be, the name shouldn't be changed, uh, why? Well, I, I oppose the, uh, the amendment that was, that was offered by Senator Warren. Uh, keep in mind that her first version of the amendment included removing uh, grave sites or, or grave markers at Arlington National Cemetery. I'd just like to see a policy where it is forcing a discussion, where we talk about where we bring people together, but a mandate to simply uh, to rename every uh, camp, 
every firing range, every plaque, every paraphernalia indiscriminately without a dialogue doesn't seem like it's really, um, I don't think it's well structured. I think we ought to be getting people together, talk about history, get the communities actively involved, uh, both on the base and in the communities that they're, uh, that they're positioned. That to me seems like a structure that produces greater dialogue and a better outcome that everybody at either side of the issue would be more likely to embrace and move on. Well, Senator, it's great to have a chance to talk with you about all of these issues affecting both veterans uh, and our active duty military. Thanks for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, and we'll look forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.